0: getting better.
1: Mm-hmm. We're getting, so it, we're it, getting we're better.
0: We're getting better. Said, no, super You're hyped welcome. about it. I was like, okay, my feel conversations happier. on that way.
1: Interesting. <laughs> okay. Thank you. That fascinating. <laughs> welcome to another episode of Conversations That Way. It is the 1st of December 2020, final month, and I'm Flo.
0: And I'm Sam. Uh, so today, we have another guest. This week, it's finally my turn to bring my friend al- along to one of our, my podcasts instead of um, Flo's friend. Um, so his name is Wenjun. Say hi, Wenjun.
2: Hi, guys. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, happy to have you on as well. So um, a bit of background for Wen for Wenjun. He is a friend from high school. Um, and he's. If you guys remember on a previous episode, I said I was. Uh, I went on a trip to New Zealand with just one other friend, and this is the other friend. We had a lot of good talks, saw a lot of good things, yes. drank a drank a little bit. Yeah,
2: thank God, because the actual <laughs> trip was garbage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but we had a lot of good talks. Like the um, majority of the trip was, like the, the when I think of the trip, I think about the drives. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The drives and the conversations we had. I
2: Think about the drives and the petrol. Petrol, two dollars a liter. Oh
0: yeah. Oh, How that... They that? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy, and that's a normal, That's normal price for them. Yeah. Mean, meanwhile, we complain about a dollar fifty. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, yes, um, right. but yeah, um, but why um we invited Wenjun on is because he. He's an avid listener of our podcast. Thank you very much. Yes, and he, he wanted to debate me on a, a stance I made on a previous episode.
3: Let the games so... begin. <laughs> no, great, so, so,
2: so, a bit of backstory. Me and Chi are uh, the conversation buddies out of our group. I think we go the most deep when we have chats.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Chi my... is my other name, by the way.
2: Oh, Sam. Sam. My yeah. bad. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, my, Hopefully, my philosophical yeah. buddy.
2: <laughs> so let's begin.
0: Yeah. So what? Give the listening. Continue. Okay. So what's what stance did you want to me to combat me on and raise First, raise, yes. raise your raise your arguments? <laughs> okay, so
2: um, I believe I believe we're talking about episode five, mm-hmm. where Sam was talking about suffering. Life Mm -hmm. resolving around suffering, and Mm -hmm. he believes that happiness should not be the goal in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I heard that, and I had a bit of a disagreement with that statement.
3: Okay. Why? So,
2: to cover my point just very briefly to get this started, Mm -hmm. I I do believe that suffering is a part of life. Mm -hmm. Um, Without suffering, you don't have happiness. Mm So, it's part of life and you have to get through it. But yep. I do believe that happiness should be a goal
3: because what else are we here for? Huh.
0: Okay. I, so, like the point I made in the previous podcast is like happiness sh- shouldn't be got a goal because it's not very realistic. I believe happiness is just an emotion and a side effect of what's happening.
3: All right, so I have a disagreement with that. Actually, I believe happiness um,
2: is perceived very base level. Right, so pe- <laughs> when you say happy, people think about smiling, laughing, but I believe true happiness comes through fulfillment. Right, going passing surpassing a struggle. Right, so I recently uh, finished. My uni courses, mm. and I got my results on Monday. Yep. And that was a struggle. But as after I surpassed it, I felt happy. And that's what I feel true happiness is.
0: Mm. So I guess it goes back to the question of what we how do we define happiness? Yes. Because when I think of happiness, I, I, I just think of an, like a, a, an emotion like am i happy now uh right now yeah i'm ha- i would say i'm happy because i'm doing the podcast but um overall in my life am i happy i would say uh yeah yes yes and no yes.
2: But, yeah i i pose this question to you if happiness is not the goal of life
0: then what is the goal of life is to find the point of our suffering Find the point of our suffering, because, like what I said before in another, the the podcast episode, the um we all agree that suffering is a part of life, right?
3: Yes.
0: And we've concluded, like we, me and Flo, we concluded in our conversation that if um the goal of life is to find the point to our suffering, because if if there's no point to our suffering and suffering is ever existent in in life, then what's the point of life? You get what I'm saying
2: Not re- I, I I kind of understand the gist of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be better represented as sacrifice. so I feel like in life, sacrifices mm-hmm. is guaranteed, right mm-hmm. Every choice that you make has yep. subsequent sacrifice, mm-hmm. So I believe I what you're trying to say is you have to choose your sacrifices, not so much suffering.
0: Right? But or... would you not um, say sacrifice is a type of suffering because you're giving something up, right? It, although correct. you are happy, you, although you're happy to give something up for the the better outcome in your opinion, but it's there's still a bit of suffering in in that process.
2: Correct, correct. But when you have a
0: sacrifice,
2: there's mm-hmm. two parts to it. Is the choice that you make, Mm -hmm. and the part that you the the other choice that you Mm sacrifice. Letting go of the other choice has slight suffering to it, and making the choice. Hopefully, you make the correct choice, but Mm -hmm. that should come with happiness.
1: Can I interject? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I feel like that there is two different playing fields here. Talking about suffering and happiness is more of a how you feel in terms of an emotional reaction towards it whereas the act of sacrificing is a choice and action So can you see how there's like it's it's slightly not on the same playing field Yes
3: I can see I can see Yeah
1: So, you, so you're saying
2: that suffering would be the outcome of the sacrifice
1: Suffering would be the emotion attached to the sacrifice. Or vice versa, the happiness that comes with it. So for example, um you're happy to sacrifice something. That is also that's still an emotional reaction. But you see how it's not necessarily suffering means um I mean sacrifice always means suffering because it's like you're happy to sacrifice something because you're still foregoing something. It's the act of foregoing it, but the reaction is different.
2: Yeah. That was that was basically my point. Basically whenever you make a decision or at least the way I live, I live with a couple of rules. I never want mm-hmm. to regret anything.
3: Yep. And
2: I believe, honestly, because we actually do not know why we're here,
3: mm-hmm.
2: we're just here for a laugh. We're here to be happy.
3: <laughs>
2: we're here to enjoy our experience because that's the only thing that we can guarantee
0: yeah, is our so, conscious experience. So, that, so what I, the problem I have with that is I don't have a problem with the, your interpretation of life, I'm just saying that is your interpretation. Yes. And, but you've already accepted that they they will be suffering, right? So you're just trying, um, so your expectation is we're going to suffer and we're just gonna, you just want to be happy, right? Is that, wait.
3: No, you've
2: lost me.
1: Okay, so remember. let me bring it back together. Okay, <laughs> so... The original statement that we made in that Sam was making in uh, episode five was that is uh, life's uh, suffering the default state of life. So it's kind of like your baseline. If you understand what suffering is or pain in a sense, then you know what happiness is. Mm -hmm. So I guess what Sam is coming back to you on is in terms of what you're saying is that Even though, yes, you can choose to have um, happiness as your goal or as the way you want to live your life. But our point originally, I think in our original podcast, was that for you to understand what makes you happy and gives you those emotions, you need to understand and experience pain and suffering. So it's not even just knowing what the difference between the two options, the two emotions are, but as well appreciating things in a different way on a different perspective. Because you've had that um negative or uh, an unfavorable interaction with that particular thing before.
2: Yes, yes, hundred percent agree with that statement. hmm The the statement for Chi that I oh sorry Sam. Samuel <laughs> that I actually had the the qualm with is happiness should not be the goal in life. I believe I believe that's what he said, but I might be mistaken. Mm-hmm.
0: Like mm-hmm. I, I just don't how but okay so how can happiness be a goal how how do you like action on it you know that's that's my only qualm with it you it's not realistic to have that as a goal because there's no actionable things that i can like do what do you mean like it's it's a it's all so i'm saying it's only a side effect It you can't like tomorrow i'm gonna be happy and if I say, "Uh, tomorrow I'm gonna to be happy," they they might be a ch- they might be a chance that tomorrow you're not gonna be happy because something something else.
2: No, I... no. I feel like in that case it'll be your perspective that's lacking. Every single situation, good or bad, unless it's really, really bad, mm-hmm. has can be happy. Two ways to look at it. I mean, that's what I, re- I, I realized that like very recently.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you can either choose to look at the suffering side of it mm-hmm. or the happy side of it. But mm-hmm. this.
0: Then... It's your it, perspective that I, makes the difference. I agree. But then that goes back to my original statement that life's default state is suffering, right? Um, that things will go wrong and you, you can't expect yourselves to be happy when things go wrong. Like, let's say like something really tragic happens, you, you can't control your emotions.
2: Not necessary. Not necessary. I believe that in every situation, apart from the very, very...
0: Yeah, I'm 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 specifically pointing out the very very bad ones.
2: Okay, but I do not feel like the default setting is the very very bad suffering. You you get on why
0: why not? But that's part of life though.
2: It it might be part of life, but it's not the default state. What I'm talking about when I mean the very very bad suffering is like say you are held captive and you're getting tortured. There's Mm -hmm. there's no positive. Outlook on that, on that uh, <laughs> situation, but like say, say for example, um, I work in telecommunications, right? So mm-hmm. as a sales assistant, mm-hmm. they I have a crackhead customer come in and try to fight us. Mm-hmm. Right? My view would be a funny one, just taking a look at the situation and seeing how cooked it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can either be like oh, this guy's trying to fight me, I'm going to feel sad, angry, protective. Or you can see this guy as a crackhead and just be like, this is a hilarious situation.
3: Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, but I think what my viewpoint is is a more, like, overarching outlook, though. Not, like, a specific set, like, specific small setting like that. I think my viewpoint is more targeted towards the the big big and bad stuff because those are the mo- the more relevant stuff in your life, right? Like going mm. through going through like the because how I got this viewpoint is from reading the book Man Search for Meaning, the guy who went through a Holocaust yes. and that is a like he went through like a lot of years of suffering. Yes. Yeah, mental and physical and who who knows like Yeah, so I I I agree
2: with I agree with his perspective because that is an extraordinary case of suffering. Mm -hmm. I I don't think in our daily lives we go through the same suffering as a Holocaust survivor does.
0: Yeah, I understand, but we we have our own um, level of suffering, though. Of course, it might not be that to to that level, but it's still our form of suffering.
2: Of course, of course, it's it's your form of suffering, but what i'm trying to what i'm trying to convey to you is that mm-hmm. at, at this level of our suffering
3: mm-hmm.
2: right i believe that you can have a positive outlook on our suffering if you were a holocaust survivor i would have a different perspective because it is very it's very hard to find a glimmer of hope in that situation whereas so, hi, right, would you like to give us an example of daily suffering
3: in your perspective mm.
0: I think like these little little things like like your example like a uh, cracker coming c- coming into work that that doesn't come into my my uh my my perspective that is just
2: yeah I'm asking would you would you give me an example from your life which is an example of suffering and I will show you the two ways you can look at it
0: yeah, of course. I I I'm I'm gonna give any example, on you can, of course, you can. I I I myself can find the the both uh, ways of the outlook, both outlooks. I'm just saying, um, those moments, those suffering moments, will definitely come, and we we have to be prepared, prepared for them.
2: I have I have no doubt that the suffering will come, but my my disagreement with you is. When you say that happiness should not be the goal in life
3: mm-hmm. what
2: I interpret that what I interpret that as is when you have the choice to look at something as positive or negative you would choose the negative whereas I would choose the positive
3: I
0: don't see how that is I don't
1: think it's necessarily that Sam might see it as negative but it's more so he emphasizes on the uh, realistic and um kind of the nature of the situation so it's kind of more of an obsessive self-reflective kind of state where when you go through something negative mm-hmm. no matter how big or small i think there's also a there's a bit of a focus sam maybe you might be able to clarify but on the bigger things or bigger events that happen in your life that kind of uh, propel you to either make a change or has such an intensity that actually um, affects your outlook on life in a sense. But in coming back to
3: Sam's. Give me a second.
2: Point point of view. I do believe Uh, that we are talking past each other to some degree.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. No, I got it back. (laughs) Coming back to it. It's that. Um, Sam is thinking, when you have a situation that happens, whether big or small, I agree with you, Wenjun, in terms of that you can see it. It's the way you frame it perspective-wise and kind of – and that tells you how to react to the situation. So it's, one, the event happening, the information that you take in, and then the reaction you give out. The The part that is, I guess, not so much that – That you can always see the brighter side of it it's more so understanding the not quite realistic but the the rational side of what's the event happening in a sense but yes i do agree with you engine in terms of that that you can see and i actually do think of it in any degree of situation or event happening you can take it there's a positive side, and there's a the negative side. It's just how you interpret it in your really? head. No. Because, okay, think any about, level, just... think about any it, level. the worst thing. Yeah, any level. Because if you have a look at any terrible, 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 terrible thing, uh, let's mm. not even just take it, it from a personal standpoint. Let's take it from, like, a global standpoint. Okay? Uh, really? Big global events, um, global financial crisis, the pandemic that's happened um, in... In over in the states, people would say probably 9/11 and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. There's two stances that you can take. First, it's the the input of the information that of what has happened. So the assessment of what the the event. Most of the time, for big catastrophic events where there's life loss um, or like a huge change in circumstances, you will have usually a negative. I wouldn't say baseline, but initial reactions, kind of like your first uh, fight or flight response.
3: Uh Yes, agreed.
1: It's kind of like your fear instincts of things changing because whenever change comes about, there's always kind of like, a oh, what's happening? Readjust. So even if it's a massive, massive event kind of type thing, first we have our initial reaction, which is what's happening? Am I in trouble? Survival mechanism kicks in normally that's more of a suffering like gotta mandate it type thing or manage it and then the secondary side is how we react to it so it's um it's understandable for people to be upset depressed mourn and go through that phase and things like that but people who i think have a bit more control of their emotional states definitely can recover or react faster. So the recovery rate is kind of like the your reaction or what people would quote-unquote say as a reaction. So, for example, um, people who recover really, really fast, um, bounce back in a sense, really, really fast, kind of assess the situation and then kind of rejig it to the way that they need to do it and then move on or action out what they need to do next.
2: Yes. So this is actually a point that I'm not sure if you're familiar with naval ravinkan
3: yeah. i
2: introduced uh, sam to it on our okay. new zealand tri- uh, to him he's a he's a entrepreneur slash philosopher right?
3: mm-hmm.
2: and mm-hmm. his point is like uh, one of one of his many teachings is that what you want is peace of mind and how you get peace of mind is to look at everything in uh the happier side right because when you look at something, when you think about something happy, it's easy come, easy go, right? You don't hold on to it. Whereas when mm-hmm. something negative affects you, you tend to hold on to that a lot longer. So if you want peace of mind, which will generally bring you happiness, then you try your best to look at everything in a positive so that you can let it go and continue on with your experience. Yeah,
3: but
1: a- Sorry, Sam, go ahead.
0: Uh, go, go, go. Just go.
1: It's not necessarily whether it's a positive or negative stance. It's one, the first tier is the expectation of the event happening or not. So it's your preparedness in terms of how prepared or, uh, it's like scenario planning. If you plan for every single, if you, uh, yeah, in your head, plan for every single scenario that possibly could come, when the outcome happens, then your reaction is no longer
3: mm-hmm.
2: so
1: yep. geared whether positive my, or negative. My,
0: so
2: My rebuttal would be that you... I feel like it's impossible to plan ahead for everything that happens in life.
0: Okay, so um, sorry to interrupt, but mm-hmm. what Flo said is actually very in line with what I think, with my perspective. So what, what I think is life's the, default state is suffering, right? By holding that as the default, the, the baseline assumption, I expect life to be very hard. So, and I think that's a fair assumption, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I will go through difficult things. So I mm-hmm. expect that like every day will be very will um I will encounter challenges. So by holding that um expectation, when a bad thing does occur to me, I am not as affected by as someone who expects happiness.
2: I see. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alright. So that is in that case it's just it's kind of my point of view. It's just a different different take on a method a different method mm-hmm. i think you guys have different
1: priorities so sam is on the preventative side in terms of you know you um you prepare have minimal expectations or you prepare yourself or yeah. you kind of assume the worst therefore anything does that that the happen best. it's Pro- great yeah prepare yeah. For, the worst, for, the for the best yeah, yeah 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 so in terms of that like you know it, not necessarily saying it's like a good or a bad way of living because I think it just depends on everyone's emotional capacity as well
3: mm-hmm. or
1: just how their um their brain works in a sense whereas but, you're seeing it as from if you take everything um if you see the good side mm-hmm. of everything but I'm assuming when you're also realistic and prepared in terms of what is happening rather than kind of Always hoping for the best, but you are still prepared for if things yes. go awry type thing. Yes, yeah.
2: I can definitely definitely handle myself. It's mm. just I, I'm i kind of a joker. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. just my personality. I see mm-hmm. whenever I'm in a situation, regardless of what it is, I always see the funny side to everything. Mm. Like, I don't know if this is... She is a bit more serious about it, but yeah, I see mm-hmm. everything as a joke sometimes to the benefit and sometimes to my detriment mm. but
1: mm. that's just how i am i think those that's... are just a different energy in a sense
2: mm.
3: that's Which is I why
2: think... i love having a chat with qi Sheng. <laughs> i feel like out of all of our friends qi Sheng can articulate himself but we share as friends we share a lot of perspectives but we mm-hmm. also are very different people. So some mm.
3: uh, topics, we do clash, and I feel like the way we discuss is unparalleled.
0: What do you mean by unparalleled?
3: As in, I don't
2: think I've had a conversation with anyone to the degree that we had. Remember that that time <laughs> we had... All right, I'll just briefly cover this, but we we were... Clashing in points of view on the topic of abortion, mm. and the amount Ooh. of respect and articulation that we both had—it was—I've never experienced that before.
0: Mm. This was ju- <laughs> this was one of the conversations during our New Zealand trip. Yes,
1: interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll yes. take them take it as a compliment.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I I feel the same way about Wenjun. It's like um, it's like he's like the first person I've met to have. To actually be have the patience to have these conversations with me, and I'm I really appreciate it because in high school, like in our high school group, no one really wants to have these conversations. Mm,
3: mm.
0: You can like if we bring... we're
3: all
2: we all just there for a laugh.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but when you actually when I bring something like something like a bit more serious up, and you're the only one, the only person that um, entertains that idea, it makes me feel like. Um, A a bit more appreciated, you know, and I'm not just a weirdo thinking these about these, but that
2: that might (laughs) be a bit uh, of a selfish motivation from my point. Because I, the reason I want to have that debate with you is Mm. the challenge of my perspective. I think that's,
0: I think that's for everyone. It's, I don't think it's selfish.
2: No, no, I don't think a lot of people care. I Mm. think they think their thing, and that's what they think.
0: Are you saying they're selfish?
2: I feel like no. I feel like a lot of people just don't put in the effort to challenge
0: their view on the world.
2: Yeah, like what they think is what they think, and Mm. I don't know if you you guys actually didn't watch Social Dilemma. You you covered, Mm. uh, you had an episode on it. Mm -hmm. What they covered in that is because of the way that social media is.
1: Distributing information, people kind of take yeah. it as just face value and as facts when it's actually a misinformation.
2: Yeah, it's it's customized to your perspective, so it's just a feedback loop. What yep. you think is what is, and yeah, very little do people challenge themselves, which is why. That's I... why. Yep. Could when you... I look Sorry. on Facebook and I mm-hmm. see these comments, like it it makes me angry, but at the same time, like these guys literally do not what do not know what's going on. Mm. So I just leave it.
0: That's why I'm right now. I'm like when talking about politics, right? I'm really conflicted because, it, like, especially going on social media, I never know what what to believe anymore. Like, it's always the left, the left, um, the left side of the political spectrum saying the the people on the right is are stupid, and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I watch videos made from people from the left, and the, it makes sense to me but then i um i watch people on the right and that makes sense to me then <laughs> i don't know what to believe anymore
3: well
2: that's and how
0: it
3: guess, should be.
0: yeah so what really frustrates me is people like they don't like having the um other point other point of view and actually having a civil discussion it's so just so frustrating that that's it's so because, prevalent in our media
2: well i feel like the catalyst for that is because social media has created a new form of communication. The same, the same analogy comes with, like, road rage, right? Mm-hmm. You would never, if someone cut you off, you would never, if you were face-to-face, just start swearing at them, put the roofing up, all that. But because mm-hmm. you are separated uh, and not, not seeing them physically being, mm-hmm. like, keyboard warrior status, right? Mm -hmm. You have the ability to say stuff that you would never even dream of. Which creates Mm -hmm. this whole thing because if someone has a point of view that's against yours, you're not going to be reasonable. You're just going to say the most heinous thing you can think of. Because what are they going to do? And then it's just like this whole bad situation. For that reason, I got rid of, after watching Social Dilemma, I got rid of my social media.
1: Yeah. I think there are a lot of underlying factors to that yeah mm. and I also have well I haven't got, I've deactivated Facebook as well because but for me it was more so of like a work thing <laughs> mm. um the underlying factors that I can have a look there is that even before social I agree that social media has kind of become a, a new way that people can become anonymous online, so <laughs> they feel empowered to say and share anything and everything. There's the good of side course. of that and the bad side of that
3: of course, but I think Sam even really
1: before. Before that, it's in terms of people just taking what other people say or what they read online and things like that. I think it comes down to two things. One, people being lazy and in terms of the kind of accepting uh, the way that they are or they haven't been taught to challenge the way they think. Um, the other thing is that I think affects this concept is the idea that people want to fit in. So the idea of being, like, a lot of people would not want to be double advocate or they would avoid confrontation of any kind and on any level. Mm. So that means having those kind of secondary questions of, but why? And so what? Mm. So people, like, take it as a face value because, one, they're afraid of saying something dumb. Yep. um, Or saying something wrong or... It's just the way that they come off when they co- ask the question, and I think it comes down to uh, personal. Mm, do you think it's self esteem or?
0: I'm not sure though because when, cause I'm when you say that right, I'm trying to put myself in the sh- I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of the person you're describing, and mm-hmm. because. Why I do that is because, um when I watch videos uh like political videos from the left and the right, I try to put myself um self in shoes of the the other mm mm-hmm. and they they're always describing the other as stupid and they don't know what they're talking about they they like self they're just trying to be part of like part of the group don't wanna stand out, but that's, that's not really opinion. What yeah, but that's not really what I'm thinking though, so. I'm not sure if that's actually a factor because we always see like these um, rad- radical um, left or right people like who go like um, we see, always see them on you like YouTube or Facebook. Do mm-hmm. you think that self self esteem is their mo- like is the problem
1: there? No, so I think it's there's a there's number of factors underneath that. It's mm-hmm. you've got the spokespeople or the people who are leaders who have the opinion, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the same with anyone who has a strong opinion. If they can back it up or convince other people to join that cause, mm. then that's how they build that, um, wow. that group and big enough community that it makes a standpoint in yep. society of some sort. Mm.
2: Well, the, one of the reasons that I stopped following all of these um, political news is because I feel like what is being said is being said by the loudest people. And the yes, last exactly. people is is not is not the majority. It's mm. the one the um, outliers on each end, mm. right? Yep. And honestly, from my perspective, I have no faith in our political system. It sounds it sounds depressing <laughs> to be honest. But like, especially in Australia, we've had what ninety four prime ministers in the past. There was a point where like we were swapping prime ministers every couple of months.
3: <laughs> I, was just like, I remember that. What even is
2: this? You know? I just have no faith. They're all backstabbing each other. And I feel like what it really comes down to is just misaligned incentives. Because same I think, as the yeah. US, pre- US um, election recently, you were elected for four years. And I understand the premise behind that. You don't want to have a dictator who's in for 25 years. right? Mm-hmm. But at the same point, they are only doing stuff to benefit themselves in four years, you know, because that's all they'll get credit for. That's what I feel, at least. Might be a bit pessimistic.
0: Yeah, I think this goes back to um, the episode, like, Naval Ravikant. He yes. So in that podcast episode, he actually talks about, um, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said, um. Like, you're a I'll, your, I'll your, your capitalist go. with, like, a country. Yes. But yeah. when you're in a, like, let's say you're in your village, you're um, more of a socialist than in your family, you're a communist. Yes. Do you remember some of that? Can yes. you explain yes. yeah. that it's a bit basically, more?
2: It's basically, he was saying that your political views are, they change depending on the group that you're aligned with. Right. So because your family, the size of the group, care. Yeah. Well, more so. Yeah, the size of the group, right, basically. Mm-hmm. But because you're family, you care for all of them, you want the best for all of them, right? And you believe that they all have the same goal, mm-hmm. you're more willing to share whatever you have with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Whereas
2: the bigger the group, the more people... Uh,
0: the higher chance the more... for like theft and all Exactly, that.
2: exactly. The, the more the interests have to be aligned, like the incentives have to be aligned. Otherwise, you have people that cheat the system. Mm-hmm. So, the bigger the group, the more um, protected you have to
0: be. Basically. Yeah. The more pre- preventative you have to be.
2: By the way, for the listeners, highly, highly recommend the Joe Rogan podcast with <laughs> Ravin Khan. That is my favorite podcast by far.
1: Really? Yes. I must check.
0: Highly, it. highly recommend. Yeah. Um. When, when, when John. June... First, uh recommended it to me and I listened to it. I I had that like even bigger like wow moment than um, when we did the anti fragility thing, flow.
2: Wow,
1: excuse me, that's setting <laughs> <good> the bar.
2: <laughs> you know what was awesome about that when I showed what? you, like, we were we were taking a six hour drive from Christchurch to Queenstown,
3: mm-hmm. oh. and the, the
2: best thing about that is like I've listened to this podcast literally six six seven times mm-hmm. right but it's always in my head whereas when she listened to it we would pause the podcast the podcast and discuss mm. the
0: topic on it
1: mm. Ooh, I wanna oh i want to do this when i come down
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay let's do it let's do say it less say less yeah so mm. for the um, listeners it's uh joe rog- joe rogan experienced the episode 1309 mm. <laughs> Man did his <laughs> research,
2: got in his brain.
0: Nah, I have I, a I monitor on the site, so I just looked, looked it up real quick. Because I actually do think people should should, should listen to it. It's a really good episode. Wow. All okay. Coming right,
2: so, um, back. If you don't mind, I will lead us into the next part. Because
0: mm. okay. we've already talked about an hour
2: on this one. The next <laughs> point that I wanted to bring up in this podcast was a topic that you and Flo and Michael discussed mm-hmm. last week. Last week. Mm. On um, what you would do to change the edu- education system to better it.
1: Yep. So we asked uh, if you could change anything in the education system, specifically speaking, uh, I guess, for reference in Australia, but obviously a pickleball across the world, what would you change? So what would you yep. change? When
2: so actually, Flo, you, t- you touched on a point that I really liked. It's a, mm-hmm. a class on how to be a person.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Right.
2: Mm. So how how I had a thought while I was listening to that podcast. I was mm-hmm. thinking if I could change it, I think how you should structure it is in primary school. So just a bit of backstory. I went to four primary schools and nice uh three high schools, three different high schools.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um at the time while I was going through it, uh the first couple of times I changed schools, I was very hesitant. Because I already have my friends, I don't want to leave my friends, Mm. uh, new thing. But after seven school changes, it became second nature to me. Mm -hmm. I just in a new environment, it's I'm perfectly comfortable. I can just do my thing. So Mm -hmm. my idea was how we should do it is in primary school, they teach you how to socialize. They concentrate on socializing. In high school, you concentrate on teaching the student how to learn. And in university, you can concentrate that learning onto what you actually want. I feel like the mistake that we make, um, I actually learned this from another podcast, but the schooling system, as covered in the last podcast, is based around, it was created by the Prussians to create a good soldier, so someone who can follow the rules, and it was modified in the industrial period to create a good worker. Which is why the Bells for lunch is the same as the Bells in a factory. So Mm -hmm. I believe that the whole thing is just like primary school, they teach you how to do tests, follow the rules. High school, same thing. University, same thing. And I don't feel like that leads to very a very fulfilled community, you know. Mm
3: Because
2: I see a lot of our peers who are very good academically. Mm -hmm. But after they finish the education period, they seem quite lost.
1: I agree with um with this tense. And I we did make a point last week in terms of how that the system was like, you know, went through the whole catering for the industrial workforce and things like that. In terms of your university stage, I think that should be more of an understanding of yourself kind of phase. So you've got your right, you said primary school is social skills high school mm-hmm. is what did you say high school was?
2: teaching the student how to learn
1: how to learn yeah and I I, I like that as well do and really then, I
0: kind of disagree with that though do you, do you really okay. learn, how to learn how to learn in high school?
1: I think it's more no, so no, understanding I, I, I how to consume information I don't uh,
0: think they teach that in high school I feel like uh, this is
2: how it should be
0: oh how it should be okay yes, I, then yes. I agree mm-hmm.
1: because and I then, feel like
2: a lot of yeah, sorry
1: Yeah,
2: I feel like a lot of people, after they stop being told what to learn, Mm -hmm. they have no drive
3: to
2: to learn for themselves. Mm Yeah, you know. So I, I never really did too well academically because Mm -hmm. I never understood why, like, what Mm -hmm. use is this? But Mm -hmm. whenever I've been personally interested in something, I have no problem digesting Mm -hmm. everything. I think I come across. Mm-hmm. you know as soon as i know why and i have a personal interest there's nothing stops me. especially yep. with the mm-hmm. internet you can mm-hmm. literally learn
1: anything so that comes back to mother university so recap: primary school socializing high school is how to learn or like take in information and kind of also understand like what is what is facts and what is a reaction and things like that i think there's also yeah. nuances to that And then in university, it's understanding how you personally work. So, but I I think when I made that um, came up with the idea last week is that I wanted to start that whole process of understanding how you yourself works as well from an early stage. So it's understanding how um, how certain situations might make might. uh, What's the grammatical word? <laughs> uh, how
3: you react to different things.
2: Yeah, it
1: induce a reaction. Not so much how yeah. you react, but how the the reaction comes out. Um. So I think university definitely—it's understanding yourself. You know, you know how to socialize with people and interact, and you can understand the social interactive behavior cues, norms, and such. And then in when you're in university you're also applying everything in terms of how to learn how to absorb information what's relevant what's not relevant and then apply all of that in university to okay so how does this all uh operate within inside of me and what where are my strengths where are my weaknesses what are my interests and pursuits and such yeah
2: yeah basically yeah. I also have a I, bit of a problem with university.
0: Can you say? <laughs> but, no, I was just going to say I agree with all of that. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
1: What's your problem with university? I'd love to hear that. Tertiary education. So actually,
2: I just have a cousin who you really remind me of, Flo. Like. Um, okay. She worked I would in... love to meet her. Yeah, well, she's very very type A like you. But um, <laughs> basically, she got a scholarship when she was 17 to go mm-hmm. to Toronto University. Mm-hmm. And then since then, she's just worked entirely in the universities. And I feel Mm -hmm. like the problem is because it's shifted more to a business. It's Mm -hmm. not subsidized. Like, slowly, they're shifting away from being subsidized by the government. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I feel like they're just creating useless courses. Like, I am personally doing marketing business, which is the most basic course. (laughs) I feel like everything... I'm supposed to learn this, I already know. You know? Mm. Something like business can be learnt better on the job.
3: Yeah. And I, I agree can. with
2: yeah. I agree with Chi Cheng's point. Something like medicine or you know. Like, Legal like law one or of the, yeah, like law, stuff like that. Definitely definitely needs that education because you mm. need that prior skill, we need to learn everything. Mm but something practical, like business. As business, you can't do a course mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, and of course, they're just going to create more and more courses because they want more and more students, you know?
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the realistic lens on that is that universities are businesses. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's no sidestepping that. Universities are businesses. Don't they they
0: scrap all their business courses. <laughs> Too much <laughs> they,
1: money. Their aim is to bring in students, to bring in student fees and things like that, and to build up a reputation so that more and pe- more and more people come. The reason yeah. why people still do business courses and things like that, it's as we said last week, it's it's more so the benchmark, what the brand means, what does that communicate to the person reading your resume? Hmm. So that so remember, it comes down to what the workforce is looking for and what the workforce needs. So if, a person, so, so if a recruiter needs um, someone with an assumed business baseline knowledge, The for them, the easiest standardized version is whether you have a business university degree because they trust in that university to uphold the standard that they have passed a certain mark to say that you have consumed enough business knowledge to have said business knowledge enough for that business.
3: Hmm. Agree.
2: So,
1: so you can have your gripe with um the university.
2: <laughs> I only have my gripe with university on useless courses.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, but um to that point, I've actually so I've been working at my company for mm-hmm. on and off. I worked there three years, took a break, and then another year roughly.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I've been very close with the management team. Mm-hmm. And when I see them looking for applicants, it's I guess it might be the industry because it's sales-based, but mm-hmm. they disregard any education basically mm-hmm. like nothing. But what really matters is the interview and how you can speak. Yep. and
1: interpersonal skills.
2: Interpersonal skills and experience because I, mm-hmm. guess, I guess that is what matters in my field, whereas in something else, a bit more technical, there would be a bit of a difference.
1: No, I agree. It just depends on the, the field and domain, honestly. In yeah. terms of how much um how what skill set do they need, or what baseline do they know. So they kind of like instead of starting from the ground ground out like a baby type thing, you're you're starting from a university graduate who has assumed knowledge and things like that. But yeah, I mm-hmm. think it really depends on the field, of course.
2: Yeah. A funny reminder of that is um so my roommate in my North Northern apartment, he has a... Um, Sam, do you know what, what Ronnie has a degree in?
0: Uh, he has a degree. He's a Bachelor of Arts majoring Criminal. in Criminology and Chinese.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Criminology and Chinese, right? So yep. how many tens of thousands of dollars he spent on that? Yeah, And it legit, it's in a dusty corner underneath all our beers at the apartment. He just he just leaves it. It's it's literally next to the
0: shoes. Yeah, and then and now he did a, like a, a a one month course on how um real property estate management, real estate. Yeah, and then he just got a job in that. Exactly. That's so, insane. You
1: know. In the end, it's each to their own and their decisions in terms that's of what they want to study and things like that. But, you know, where, <laughs> where man who my other have perspective supply. on that?
2: I have, I have a younger brother who just finished year 12. Mm-hmm. And we were, as a family, we we're having a discussion of what he should do for uni because my parents are very uni-focused. And from my experience, I told him that uni is not the only way to go through because he actually has started to be uh, learn to be a barber
3: and mm-hmm. he's getting oh.
2: that whole business side done. And he's making equivalent money to me as like an 18, 17-year-old, you know, mm. just through this barbering. And I was telling him that university is not the only way to get through it.
3: But, yeah, but I
2: do believe that the experience, at least for the first two years, you know, uni- university is a lifestyle. And because mm. everyone goes through university, it's something that you can bond with people over.
3: Mm-hmm. So yeah. That
2: part, I feel, is very valuable. But the degree itself is garbage to me. <laughs>
0: I wouldn't say garbage. It really just yeah. depends. Depends what you, st- you you study. I think um, for my brother, like when he didn't know what to study as well, right, I just told him data science, just because that's what I want to do, and I see a lot of potential in the in the market. Like there are a lot of jobs cu- upcoming for for that. That's why I just told him to do that. And yeah, not sure if he's enjoying it, but yeah, I think if you don't know what to do going into uni, I think you should just pick a safe route. Hmm.
1: I would mm. like to have conversations with both of your brothers.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: So I can I give a a full
1: career assessment and <laughs> advice.
2: <laughs> I feel like the mistake that most of our schooling system has is you're jumping into university straight after high school, mm. which is, you know, I don't feel like you're ready for that choice, which is why a lot of people jump around different courses.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I think
2: if you're unsure of what you want to do, you should take a year off develop some life skills work a job
0: yeah we kind of touched really on this like that. last week right like we, yeah, we, yeah, we only sure. should take a year off if you if you know what you want to do
1: within that time
0: yeah within that time if because you have Correct. if you have no plan like honestly 99% of people will just like bum around yeah bum okay. around yeah i did that too <laughs> <laughs>
2: but yeah
1: I think when it comes to dis- deciding on what you want to do for university, that's why I said like I'd rather have a conversation with each of your brothers because it comes down to understanding their interests and whether how well do they know themselves. Um, just as kind of like a general standpoint, it it really comes down to what you're willing to risk for your mm. future and not and what you're willing to invest. So yeah, and great. then it's kind of like making weighing up the decision. Yeah.
0: Or. I think the mm-hmm. time of when you go into uni also plays a big role because at eighteen year old, most of us are not mature at all, and have that self awareness. We don't have much of that. We only develop a a lot of that during during your like eight, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one around that that time. So, but that time is already you're already like smack bang in the middle or towards the end of your degree.
3: Mm.
0: So. Yeah, I don't know what the solution is. <laughs> Agreed.
2: That's where I. That's where I mucked up. Mm. First year uni, I was talking to all of my older friends. Mm. Like first year uni is so easy. Don't worry, you can do whatever. I partied all the time, and I mm. failed the whole year basically. <laughs> ah, sorry, but you live and you learn, I guess. you live and, yeah. you, learn. Live
1: and you learn. You live and Back you learn. learn.
2: No regrets at all.
1: Mm. Fantastic. What a great way to live. Okay, I think we'll wrap it up there, but Wenjin, thank you so much for coming on to the show. No we are thank so glad that nice. you you are such an avid listener and you've come on to the <laughs> show to challenge our views. Um, really,
3: really
2: I don't know if he showed you the message, but I'm very proud of you guys for starting this. Especially chi Ching. he's come a long way since that very shy Malaysian boy I met in year 10. Yeah,
0: yeah, honestly, like I'm a very different person to the year 10 me
3: <laughs>
0: like i'm oh, a bit I'm more outspoken i think i'm way more confident so
1: mm.
0: yeah i think like all my high school friends can, can attest to that 100
1: <laughs>
2: percent.
0: yeah
1: fantastic well that's the theme of our show you know
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah i'm proud like i'm proud that we we did this flow like i keep saying this every week but yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, Flo, and I'm right there with you. Definitely want to meet you in person.
1: Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it.
0: Well, i I think that's enough for today. Are you guys mm-hmm. happy with
1: that? <laughs> yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for your time and thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the next one. See ya. Bye.
3: Bye.